From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The Liberal Party are trying to resurrect their popularity after a devastating loss this year under the leadership of Scott Morrison. But can changing the personalities and the style at the top make a difference? Or is there something deeper behind the decline in the party's fortunes? A study published yesterday indicates only one in four voters under the age of 40 voted for the coalition, and that could be unlikely to change. Today, national correspondent for the Saturday paper, Mike Seckham, on how this generation of younger voters are changing the assumptions we've had about the electorate, and why all the major parties need to adapt. It's Tuesday, December 6. Mike, the Liberal Party has now had two pretty terrible election results in a row. First, there was the the federal loss, and then more recently, we saw them really fail to gain any ground at all in Victoria. So when you look at the the kind of year that the Liberal Party is having, do you see a pattern here? Absolutely. And you're right. They've, They've had two terrible losses now in a row. But they've had more than that over the past couple of years. They've been lurching from loss to loss. The Liberals were all but wiped out in the Western Australian election. Well, look, it was a complete and utter landslide. There's no other word for it, David. A one-term Liberal government lost in South Australia. South Australians have swept away the Marshall Liberal government, choosing Peter Malinowskis and his team to lead us beyond the pandemic. The Northern Territory, they lost to Labor. Now, the Labor Party is on track to form majority government in the Northern Territory after the first night of counting. Queensland. They were trounced again by Labor. Labor not only held strong in North Queensland, but turned blue regions red in the southeast, securing more than a 5% swing. The only place where they're in majority government still in the country is Tasmania. And in New South Wales, they're in minority government and, and facing a pretty perilous election in March. So if you look across the country, things are looking pretty dire for them. And uh, the, the one common factor, I think you would say, is that everywhere you look, the young people are rejecting them. You know, younger voters are just not voting Liberal anymore. Mm, and that is intuitive in some ways, isn't it, Mike? Because there is this common wisdom that young people are more likely to vote for the left, whereas that the bulk of Conservative voters tend to be a bit older. Yes, you're absolutely right. You know, in fact, the old political maxim was, you know, that if someone was not a socialist at the age of 20, they had no heart. If they were still a socialist at 40, they had no head, you know, and that points to the old general truism, you know, that people tend to get more conservative as they, as they age. But for this story, I was, I was speaking with a political scientist at the ANU, Professor Ian McAllister, and, uh, and he's been following sort of electoral behaviour for a long time via something called the Australian Election Study which is a huge exercise that's carried out, has been carried out after every federal election since 1987 to give us insights into why, not only how people voted, but why they voted the way they did. And and he says the interesting development of the past couple of decades in, in politics is that this progression sort of rightwards across the political spectrum that had held true for generations is no longer true among young, younger voters, which is to say... They start out voting for more progressive parties and they keep right on doing so. So we're talking here about the millennial generation 
Gen Z. So the oldest ones now, you know, uh, the oldest millennials are now about 40. So, so this is a big shift. You know, what it means is that as older conservatives drop out of the picture, they're not being replaced because these younger ones coming through are maintaining their progressive politics as they age. So this, this phenomenon of these newer cohorts of voters maintaining their, their political position as they get older, it's obviously a major threat to the major parties, both Labor and the Liberals, but particularly the Liberals, because their support base is, is typically among the oldies, for want of a better term. Okay, so, Mike, if young people aren't voting for the Liberals, where are their votes going? Well, that's an interesting thing. I mean, according to the survey that Ian McAllister was referring to, at the last federal election, among people aged under about 35, only about 18% went for the Liberals, and about 35% went to Labor, and about 35% went to the Greens. Mm. So it's it's a huge shift in, in that way. And this indicates something else, too. Um, this isn't just a threat to the Liberal Party. This is a threat to the Labor Party. You know, these these younger voters are very progressive, and they're moving against both the major parties. In fact, you know, if you look at the long-term trend, the votes of the majors are going down over a very long period, basically since World War II. And at the last election, they were at a record low. Roughly a third of the electorate voted for other parties, particularly the Greens, and of course, some of the the progressive independents that we, we've come to call the Teals. Mm. And if we dig down a bit, Mike, into why this is happening, can you tell me more about the, the concerns and the specific policies that make people who belong to these generations, so millennials and, and people in Gen Z, less likely to, to give their primary vote to a major party and, and more likely to instead vote for maybe the Greens or maybe an independent? Well, of, co- of course, a big one, a big one is climate change. But there, there are other issues that are, are more keenly felt among the, the younger voters too. Uh, according to McAllister, one other big thing that is driving their voting behaviour is, is simply their assets that they hold. It's really wealth and assets that are one of the strong determinants of, of why people get more conservative as they age. It's not merely the fact that they age, it's the fact that they accumulate more stuff and then they want to protect that and that's why they vote conservative. And, and as McAllister was telling me, what really matters doesn't matter if you're tradie or if you're a professor or, or what your profession is, the big determinant of your political allegiance or a big determinant of, of your political allegiance is the assets you own. So, you know, not just home ownership, but share ownership, whether you have an investment property, whether you have a self-managed super fund. Um, if you have all of those, you're probably a liberal voter. But if, if you look at what's been happening on that front, I dredged up some of the statistics on this, and and between 1981 and 2016, for example, home ownership rates among 25 to 34-year-olds fell from more than 60% to 45%, you know, which is way below the older demographic, you know. Retirees are still, on balance, very well housed. So um, there are no real policies on the table, also, I think you would say, that will radically shift this dynamic, you know, away from Labor and the minor parties, you know, the Greens... The Greens are very big with policies that target what we might call generation rent at the last election, and and they got a lot of votes for it. Labor has obviously noticed because they've committed to a social housing policy. They're going to spend a lot of money trying to get more, more supply onto the market. Nowhere near as ambitious as the Greens, but still they're doing it. The, the Liberal Party, on the other hand, has not really been speaking to those concerns for a long time now. 
to the extent they've had housing policies, they've been things that have been proven not to work, you know, like, like um, first home buyer grants, things like that, which, which really do nothing except push up the price of real estate and in the end wind up benefiting the sellers, not the buyers. So um, they're going to have to um, have, a, have a good long look at, at their policies if they want to start, you know, fighting back against this demographic tide. We'll be back after this. The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. For long-time editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for. Please, <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy. Yeah, yeah, if, that's, no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, it sounds like the Liberal Party is staring down the possibility that the majority of an entire generation, a younger generation, might never vote for it. And up until this point, it seems like the party hadn't really formulated many policies that would speak directly to that generation, to young people. So does that look likely to change? Are there any signs that the party is acknowledging that this might be a problem for them and and looking to try to turn it around? Not to any significant extent, I have to say. Um, if, if we take um, one issue, right, the Liberal Party's relationship to women. You know, we, we know from the data that a large part of this, this sort of leftward drift among younger people is led by young women. So, you know, after the federal election loss, the Liberals have undertaken a review of the way the party performed at the election. It's being conducted, has been conducted, by a former party director, Brian Lochnane, who's the husband of Peter Credlin, the you know Sky News right-wing commentator, and one of the um, surviving Liberal federal MPs after the last election, the Shadow Finance Minister, Jane Hume. So first of all, their report was delayed out of concern it might impact last Saturday's Victorian election. But then, then last week, some of it leaked out, and you know it's close to being finalised, and it's going to look at a whole bunch of things. But among them is how they get more women into the party. You know, Labor's managed it because they've had a long-established quota system. But the key fact that leaked out about this review is that they have once again rejected it, the idea of a, a quota system. And speaking about the Victorian election results, Hume was pretty clear about what, why the Liberals lost. She said it was because multicultural communities, younger people, and women were big gaps in their in their representation. And she said, and I'm quoting, we aren't appealing to them right now. And we need to deal with that if we want to be truly representative. We're supposed to be the party for all Australia, which means we can't narrowcast our message or our membership. <laughs> but then, of course, she went went right on ABC Radio and rejected quotas for bringing more women into the party. So there is a, a sort of a, a compelling business case to have more women 
So in how should parliament. they do it? In, well, hang on, but, in parliament. but the other issue that is important with women is where the votes come from. And there is no doubt, absolutely no doubt, that um, uh, fewer women are voting for the Liberal Party than they used to, uh, and particularly in that cohort of professional women. And that's something that we've seen on a federal level and a state level. And it is something that we need to address. There is no doubt about it. Now, I, I think the quotas as an answer to to both of those problems is a very, very blunt instrument indeed. We actually had more women running at this election. You know, so so they're, they're talking a good game, but their actions aren't backing it up, I guess you'd say. Yeah, it sounds like they're at least attempting to identify what might be going wrong for them, but the idea of actually taking steps that might change that are still a long way off. Yeah, that, that's right. And, and part of the reason for this is they're in this difficult situation where they're trying to appeal to a new demographic, but they still don't want to alienate their existing voter base, you know, the older cohort that they're appealing to. And even as these younger people have have come through the system and are, you know, continuing to vote for progressive parties, to this point, or until quite recently, the sheer number of baby boomers who did get more conservative as they age, and, and the sort of increased longevity of people even older than that, um, you know, because of better healthcare and what have you, that gave the Conservative parties great political clout. And they do continue to to vote heavily conservative. You know, even at the last election when Scott Morrison was wildly unpopular, many more of the over 55s voted for the Conservatives than for Labor. And hardly any of them, I think about 3% voted for the Greens. So clearly the, the, the Liberal Party is substantially holding that demographic. But older voters aren't the force they've they were because, you know, to put it bluntly, they're dying out. So, you know, millennials and Gen Zs will soon outnumber the boomers and older all around the nation, you know, in parts of the country, like in Melbourne, it's it's already the case, but it's going to be a spreading phenomenon across the nation and a huge problem for the Liberals. And, you know, I might add in the long longer term for Labor too, but particularly for the Liberals. Mm, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how both major parties grapple with that change in demographics, which I think is perhaps a lot closer than than either of them really realise. And just to go back to the Liberal Party, this this message that, that Hume and others within the party are now trying to bring to their attention, that they have to try to reach a broader demographic, that they have to, to be relevant to more people, particularly to, to women – does that message stand a chance of being heard, do you think, by a party where a lot of moderates have been wiped out and and the right of the party is really in control under the leadership of Peter Dunn? Well, you're entirely right. I mean, that, that was one of the odd things of the last election was that as people voted for more progressive parties, it had the effect in, in a way of making the Liberals more right-wing because the people who got wiped out were the, the moderates. They, they fell to teal candidates. So... Um, on balance, the, the party is more conservative than it was. So first observation, it doesn't look promising. And obviously, Peter Dutton is not an appealing figure, particularly for young people. But I would suggest that Dutton is really just a symptom of the problem, as was Scott Morrison, as was Tony Abbott. And the Liberal Party's basic problem is that the party membership has become increasingly out of step with the wider community. And of course, it's the party membership who are the ones who select the candidates. But I might also perhaps plant the seed of another idea, which is that as the vote share of both the major parties continues its long-term decline, 
It may be that in the not-too-distant future, we wind up with sort of multi-party governments like, like we see in, in a lot of European countries. It may also be that the Liberal Party has to split and reconstitute itself, in a sense, as a Conservative Party and a more progressive party. And in, in effect, in a sense, it already has, because that's what the Teals are. The Teals are not yet a party, but they are the moderate wing of the Liberal Party. And so um, uh, unless, unless the, the, the Liberals wake up to themselves pretty darn quick, that's going to be the future. Mm. Mike, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Memento. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, protesters in Iran are calling for a three-day national strike this week in ongoing action targeting the government of the Islamic Republic. The strike action comes after Iran's Attorney General revealed over the weekend that the parliament and the judiciary are reviewing the country's laws regarding the clothing of women, but with both branches currently controlled by conservative factions, it's unclear if a review will relax the laws. And a major cryptocurrency exchange based in Australia is slashing 40% of its staff. SwiftX is making layoffs to prepare in advance for the potential of a quote, worst case scenario, according to an internal memo sent to staff. The cuts follow the dramatic decline of the crypto market and the collapse of the FTX exchange, which was once valued at 32 billion US dollars. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.